spent the morning after meeting the motorway ghost feeling slightly guilty. I had come to see the ghosts as two types, benign and malicious. After being in the world for so short a time, I would already decided in my mind that I knew what was going on, and that I was being made into a victim by something stronger and scarier than I was. But the sorrow in the voice of the huge spirit had changed that. It looked down on me, disappointed, as if it could tell that I saw the pigeons as nothing more than mindless monsters. It had warned me how that line of thinking went. They were in pain and being manipulated. I was alive and able to think for myself. I needed to stop passively letting myself get caught up in someone else's plan and do something. The unspoken words were the ones I thought of most. It meant, this was my responsibility now. But what did it think I could do? I had acted out of curiosity a few times, looking for the college ghost and the subway ghost and interviewing Francis, but I'd never really tried to do anything. Now, though, I wanted to help. I started by looking for the seance ghosts again. I really needed to thank them for saving me, and I hoped that they would be able to tell me more about what a living person could do to help a spirit. The only issue was their seemingly endless territory. The places I had seen them in were miles away from each other. How could I know where they were going to be? I headed into the city centre and spent an afternoon checking out different venues, trying to guess what sort of place would attract them. My only knowledge was that one show at the old hairdresser's and the conversation I had overheard afterwards. Needless to say, I had no success, and as the sun began to set, I realised I would need to try another tactic. I sat down in a cafe and sucked down a coffee, wondering what could I do next? Finding the dead when I wasn't looking for them happened all the time to me now, but actually finding the ones I wanted seemed impossible. But then again, I knew the dead could spread news among themselves. That's how they'd known who I was. So was there a way I could leave a message for the seance ghosts? Idly, I traced a circle and some spilled coffee that sat on the table in front of me. I wondered if there were any ghosts haunting this place. If there were, could they pass a message along? Information seemed to pass between spirits very quickly, given how often a new ghost seemed to know who I was and what was going on. I dipped my finger in my drink and wrote hello on the table. I immediately felt foolish and reached for a napkin, but as I looked back to mop it up, it vanished as if sinking into the laminate tabletop. Hi, whispered a voice in my ear, and I nearly fell off my chair. Oh, sorry, came the voice again, this time from in front of me, and as I regained my balance, a wispy figure materialised in the chair opposite mine. She was young-looking and anxious, wringing translucent hands as she watched me brush hair out of my face and calm down. I gave her a smile, and she seemed to relax a bit. I began to ask for her help. She sat up straighter and looked at me intently. I started to describe the two seance ghosts and why I wanted to find them. Oh, I know, the ghost interrupted me with a smile. Clearly, word got round even faster than I thought. Great, I responded. I told her I really wanted to thank them and asked if she could find out if there was a good place to meet them again. She looked at me silently for a few moments, then nodded slowly. I can contact them, but thank them? Humans don't normally thank the dead, you know. She looked around the cafe, at the quiet people all around us, all ignoring the ghost girl sitting so close to them. Well, maybe we should start. I have a lot to learn about what I've gotten myself into. Thanking those two seems like a good place to begin, I said. I felt sad for her suddenly. She'd been so happy to help. 
She nodded again and promised to get in touch with him for me. Then, as I watched, she vanished, fading away until I could hardly believe she'd ever been there. In her place she left a puddle of coffee, now formed into a star. The seance ghosts found me as I was walking down Buchanan Street, ten minutes after leaving the cafe. They came out of a shop, chatting amicably, and waved cheerily at me as I passed by. I suggested we go somewhere quieter, so I could talk to them without getting strange looks or accidentally giving another living human their first contact with the dead. They agreed, and together we walked and floated towards the Goma. As we walked down the street, I stuck one headphone earbud in and stuck the other end of the cord in my pocket, hoping it would look like I was on the phone as I chatted to the ghosts. We reached the museum and entered into the main exhibition space. It was almost empty, and I relaxed a little, beginning to walk around as I explained to the ghosts that I wanted to thank them. I was allowed into this world for reasons I still don't understand, but now I see that it's quite a gift, I started. And so far, all I've really done is cause trouble. I don't want to just pass by spirits and not understand them, even the ones who seem scary at first. I thought for a second and added, Although, I'm still pretty cross with the Kelvin Way statues. They were really rude. The ghosts laughed at that, but seemed somehow warmer than before as we headed upstairs to the smaller galleries. I asked them what I could do to reward them. Clearly material goods were useless. They could go to any show they wanted. I was at a loss. What did ghosts value? The answer they gave, after exchanging a look, was stories. Connections to the living world. We settled in a seating area, and I told them about myself, anything I thought they would find interesting. Bit by bit, we talked through funny anecdotes, my dreams, anything that entertained them. As we talked, I noticed them getting more and more solid, until they were both sitting next to me, still not casting a shadow, but somehow not exactly floating anymore. Eventually, my throat ran dry, and we turned to their stories instead. Their names were seemingly unimportant, and when I asked what to call them, they gave a variety of answers. Eventually, I gave up and addressed them both as Mr. Ghost, which they found highly amusing. They explained that they remembered little from their lives and had chosen not to use a piece of land or territory to ground themselves, but simply each other. They had chosen an eternity of wandering the earth together, hand in hand, very much in love and very happy. They kept in touch with the human world by enjoying its culture and its news, and somehow were able together to wander about without losing themselves. They acknowledged that they rarely left the city, hardly ever wanting to, except for the odd holiday every few decades. I was amazed. These two spirits had let go of everything from their pasts except each other, and seemed perfectly content. Their bickering was only on the surface. Underneath, they were willingly bound together. They wove their story as they went, and the more I talked to them, the more I understood how important that story was to their identity. I bade them goodbye as the museum finally closed. I made my way home as they left to catch a show at the Tron. My head was full of the possibilities that their story had given me. Somewhere in my mind, a small thought was forming, still too early to name, but glimmering there, giving me hope that I could do something, could understand this new world. Glasgow Ghost Stories is written and produced by Libby Thomas. Narration is by Libby Thomas. Credits are read by Harris Jones. The theme music is by Kevin MacLeod and can be found at the Free Music Archive. Sound effects are from freesound.org. 
Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr, and visit us at glasgowghoststories.wordpress.com for full transcripts of every episode. It's almost Halloween, and nothing would be better for us than being heard by new listeners over this ghostly holiday. Spread the stories, spread the spooks. We all face hard times, in life or in on death. But remember, it's the bonds we form, the faces who greet us, the stories we tell, the well-worn paths we tread that help us through. In the end, our connections to this world are what matter most. Until next time, thanks for listening.